You may be seated. Well, is it hot enough for you outside? I think it's just possible God's trying to get people's attention with all these extreme weather patterns. How about you? It's great to see you this morning, back a couple of weeks from vacation, and uh, really enjoyed being away, but really enjoyed being home. Church, Texarkana Church on the Rock is our home. We're delighted to be here. It's, uh, it's a great privilege for us to be here. Um, I, I thought about getting everybody a present on vacation, but I ran out of money. I, we Somehow we spent it all, but I got some, went to a t-shirt shop, and I thought of everybody here. I want to show you some t-shirts we ran across here. Try to maybe pick up everyone. For the hunters in the crowd... I don't shoot innocent animals, only the ones that look guilty. You know, for all the grandmothers, if you're a grandmother, let me see your hand out there. All right, this is your uh, T-shirt. Grandma's to-do list, load the kids up with sugar and send them home. For those of you that think very highly of yourself, my wife said we should get this for Pat Stewart. I, the, Jesus loves you, but I'm his favorite. All right, now here's one. My wife was standing in front of this one for quite a while, and I, I didn't know what she was thinking. I really should have looked close, a little, should have looked into my husband's family a little closer. I don't know what that meant. But here was my favorite one. I don't know if I should wear this or we should all wear this. Live your life so the preacher won't have to lie at your funeral. <laughs> Ask your neighbor how you're living. Yeah, that's a good one. Well, we did get to, you know, my son was in Fayetteville, so we went up to the Branson area, and we got a condo on uh, Lake Tanicamo, and it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a really a river is what it is coming out of Table Rock. The water was so cold that you can't put your feet in. I mean, literally, 30 seconds is like 40-something degrees. And uh, we brought our canoe, though, because we loved a canoe, and the current was just moving. I mean, it was flooded up there, the lake. So if you can imagine this wide river, it is pumping all day long. And, uh, I mean, it, the current was so strong in that river that there was some geese that lived on it. And you try to watch them swim across, and they couldn't swim straight across. They'd start out, and they would just end up going like that. Well, Bethany and I decided we would take a little canoe trip. And uh, she and I were riding. It's, we just got there, hadn't been there long, and hadn't really figured out the places to get picked up. Now, how many know if you're going on a canoe trip, the most important thing is somebody picking you up when it's over? Because if you miss your destination, you're in heap big trouble, see, because we were new to the area. We didn't know where to go, and we thought, we don't have a cell phone. And uh, if we miss Linnell at where we're supposed to get picked up, we got a problem because we don't know where to get off, and she don't know how to find us. Well, uh, as we're getting a little bit closer, Bethany had canoed it with her mom before, but uh, I hadn't been on it. And she says, Dad, uh, we're getting close to the boat ramp. And I said, no, nah, I don't think we're there yet. Well, we turned the corner, and lo and behold, the boat ramp was right on the left. Now, mind you, here's the problem. We had drifted all the way to the right side. So we've drifted all the way to the right. The boat ramp, our destination is on the left, and we just had to, didn't we, sweetie? We just had to paddle hard and just, you know, keep it going to finally get there. Now, that's kind of a funny story. It's about drifting, but I want to give you a spiritual story this morning about drifting in your life. Because the Christian life is meant to be lived with a destination in mind, but tragically, sometimes we drift from it. And hopefully this message can be kind of a course correction for you. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. It's very simple, but it's profound. The writer of Hebrews said, we must listen very carefully. Can you say that with me? We must yeah, very carefully to the truth we've heard, or we may do what? Drift away from it. In other words, there's a deliberateness that's here because you're not just going to make your destination on, uh, accidentally. You've got to be deliberate to get there because there's things that are pulling you away. Now, 
The writer of Hebrews was very concerned for the people that he wrote, these people with a Jewish background. Something was going on in their world. He was concerned that they were pulling away from Christ. He was concerned that perhaps they were going back to Judaism or there were some practices in their life that were detrimental, that they were drifting away from their primary purpose in life. Other translations contrast this idea of drifting by paying close attention, being careful to follow what you were taught. Now, the working definition for drifting is simply this being pulled off course by the currents of life and missing your destination. Being pulled off course by what's going on around you and missing your destination. Well, here's what I want to tell you. Drifting doesn't happen just on canoe trips. Drifting happens in our lives. As we explore this this morning, uh, I've entitled the morning's message, Drifting. Let me kind of start with a personal, personal example. Uh, when we went on a vacation, how many know vacation you tend to stay up late and you know, s- sleep a little later? And uh, My son got there after a couple days and hadn't seen him for several months, so we wanted to spend some extra time together. And he wakes up the probably second morning we were there, and he said, uh, let's go fishing. And I said, great, let's go. So we go to get our license and go fishing for trout. Well, normally when I get up in the morning, the first thing I do is that's my God time. I read my Bible and take a little time to pray, and I kind of orient my life towards God. Well, my son was there, and I said, oh, okay, we go. Well, the next morning, got up, and he said, hey, we got to play golf. i uh, got a tee time coming up pretty soon. Only where the course is, I want to get out and hit some balls. And I said, oh, okay. And before I know it, I'd gone a couple days, and I had drifted in my time with God. Now, I didn't go to the club that night. Okay, that's as far as the confession goes. But what I'm saying is, it just kind of happens is we're headed in a focus, and we've got a deliberateness about our lives, but life and things happen. And before we know it, I kind of looked in the mirror of my heart, and I just felt something was missing. Now, if you're used to having a regular time with God and you miss it, you know, it's just like, and that doesn't mean you're going to hell. You don't live under condemnation. I mean, the Lord still loves you and all that, but it's like your knife getting dull. You know, ladies, you're cutting and working, and, 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 and if you accidentally rub the knife across the countertop and it hits some of the grout and you try to cut a tomato, it just, it's not, it's not the same. And something happens when you drift spiritually. But now listen, the application is broader than this. How many know you can drift in your marriage? You're quiet on me this morning. You can drift in your marriage. When you start out on, you know, your wedding day and everybody's excited, the last thing in your mind is a divorce. But you know what? Christians get divorced all the time. And they don't wake up one day and say, I don't want to be married. It happens over a period of time. We drift. We can drift in our personal standards in life. You know, what, what is it that maybe a year ago you never would have done, but you're doing it today? See, we drift in our standards. Uh, you can drift from your calling. You remember a time in your life where you really feel like God spoke to you, that you had a God moment in life in some way, whether it was a, a dream, a prophecy, or just you know the desire of your heart, and you knew something God had for you, and you kind of started going that direction, but all of a sudden, life just pulled you off course, and you did what? You drifted. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. It's not a, and it's a message to encourage you to do what Bethany and I did. When we had drifted to the right side of that river, we saw the destination where we wanted to be, and we paddled hard to get back on course. Are you with me this morning? Uh, look, look at a Bible verse it's, uh, this morning. It's in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Now, Paul is, is, is further talking about the subject. He's calling for Christian growth and maturity. And he says this. He said, we don't want to be children any longer tossed to and fro by the waves and 
carried about by every wind of doctrine. Now, I get the picture. These Christians, they're somewhat immature. They're, they're new in the Lord. And he said, I'm concerned about you because you're like a, a, a ship on the sea that's just being moved around by the current, moved around by the waves, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. What he's simply saying is this. You're getting off course. And things in life pull you off course. And I want to challenge you this morning to allow the Holy Spirit to kind of bring some light in your life and look and see, am I headed in the direction I want to be in my spiritual life, in my marriage, in my morals, in my ethics, in my values, in the purpose of my life? Am I doing that thing which is most important to God? Now, listen, people drift spiritually for a lot of reasons. I mean, you don't just decide you're going to begin to drift. It just kind of happens. I think one of the big things is we get distracted. Now, if you can think back before the day of cell phones, first of all, let me ask this question. How many can remember the day when, if you were on a trip going down the interstate, you had to find a gas station to make a phone call? How many, let me see your hand. All right. How many, how many, how many thinks, what are you talking about? You have never had to do that. Come on, all the young people, let me see your hand. You never had to stop at a gas station. You got your cell phone. I mean, life just kind of, it just kind of changes. And, but, and oftentimes in life, I remember the first cell phone that I saw. When I was in California years ago, a buddy of mine was a mortgage broker, and uh, he had this bag. It was like a briefcase, and that was his phone. And, you know, you were really cool, and you wanted people to know it because not many people have it. And you just kind of put it on the, the table where you are, and you had this long cord on that thing. And who would have thought that every person in the world almost would have had a cell phone? But that's the way the world is. Well, uh, back in the day, if you wanted to talk to me, you had to wait till I get somewhere, and then you had to call. But today, it's instantaneous. I mean, today, some of you probably have already got 20 emails on your phone this morning. Some of you have probably got 50 Facebook messages. Some of you have probably got 100 text messages already in the day. And it just pulls you and pulls you and pulls you. And one of the biggest things you've got to be careful of in life is the distractions. Everybody say distraction. See, nothing wrong with a cell phone, but, but it just kind of can squeeze out some priorities in your life. Before you know it, Facebook or late-night TV or whatever the case is. Can you, how many remember the day when you didn't have remote controls for the TV? And if you wanted to turn off the television at night, you had to actually get up. Now you just lay in bed and you just watch it and you fall asleep. Gradually things happen and gradually we, we drift. Distractions is a big one. Also, people drift because they just get tired. Life wears us out, and before we know it, you know, maybe your habit is to take some God time before you go to bed, and uh, uh, before you know it, you're just tired. As soon as you lay in bed and read one verse, you're zonked out. I mean, you're, you're not a bad person. You're not evil. Uh, here's another one. Idols. An idol is, is not what you see in the Chinese restaurant. An idol is simply something or someone that takes first place in your life. And if you're not careful, this thing can begin to pull you, or this person can begin to pull you. Let me say this, if you're dating someone now that really doesn't care much about God and they don't want to go to church, they don't want to do the whole God thing, now I understand they are really hot. They're probably the hottest guy on the planet. But if they're calling to pull you off, can I tell you, they may be an idol in your life. See, why would you want to marry someone or relate to someone that won't cherish the most important person and part of your life, the Lord Jesus Christ? See, we can just be pulled off. Uh, here's another one that you may not have thought about, I tend to get, my Christian life is not as good when I don't have a spiritual responsibility. Now think about this. I'm a better Christian because I have the privilege to, start, to teach you the Bible on Sundays. I'm a better Christian. 
Because I don't just go to sermon.com or 1-800-GET-A-MESSAGE to talk to you. I don't pull out of my file something that I said four years ago that nobody remembers. I genuinely, every week, I take time with God. I pray. I seek God. I study. But, but I've got to be spiritually prepared, and I've got to be in relationship with God. If I have been violating my conscience, if I've been doing something that I know is deliberate sin, I know it's not going to be the same experience when we gather on Sundays. And I'm a better Christian because I've got a spiritual responsibility. And I want to encourage every one of you in here, if you're just someone who just comes and, you know, sits in the chairs and kind of hangs out and goes about your world, let me tell you, you're missing something. If you will bring that part in your life, whether you go to the homeless shelter or you go to the jails or you, you, you teach kids, but something in your life, something in your world where you are deliberate in your Christian life, you will find that you will be a better Christian. You're less apt to drift. I mean, there's a lots of things that cause people to drift, false doctrines and sin and the whole bit. But let's go to John chapter 14. And this next thing I want to say is, is very simple, but it's quite profound. You need to live with a clear destination in mind to keep you from drifting. Now let me say it again. You need to live with a clear destination in mind to keep you from drifting. And John 14 verse 2, the Message Bible, Jesus is talking to His disciples about heaven. And listen to what He said. He said, there's plenty room for you in my Father's home. Verse 3, I'm on my way to get your room ready and I'm coming back and get you so you can live where I live. Now think about this just a second. Every one of us in this room would agree with the fact that we're not going to live forever on this earth. That life is short. But I want to ask you this, friend. Are you prepared for that day when you stand before Christ? Is He going to look at you and say, you just made it in by the hair of your chinny-chin-chin? Come on. Or is He going to look at you and say, well done, good and faithful servant? Now, that's the destination that I want for my life. I don't want to just make it to heaven. I want God to look at me. Robert, one time, you're going to look at Jesus for the first time. See, right now, it's just been by faith. Right now that, you know, maybe you see a picture and you think of that's the way he looked. But, but, but it's all conjecture. It's a life by faith. But one day, he's going to look at you for the first time. One day, for the first time, Jeff, you're going to see the eyes of Christ. One day, for the first time, you're going to hear Jesus' voice. And he's going to speak to you. So my question for you is, what's he going to say on that day? I want him to say to me, well done, good and faithful servant. And I want to ask you, what is your destination for your future? What is your destination? Is it just broadly heaven and real glad I can get there? Or is it, do you want to hear Jesus say, well done to you? What is your destination for your marriage? Now, I know you want to love them the rest of your life, but is your destination your golden anniversary where you'll celebrate 50 years together? Come on, all the married people, lift your hand this morning. What is your destination for your marriage? Is it 50 years or more together? And listen, not just barely killing each other, but I mean enjoying each other, being fulfilled. Come on, being complete, what the Bible talks about. Can I tell you, if you don't work at it, you will drift away. The divorce rate is as high in the church as it is in the world, and I can fully explain the reason to you is it's because over time we just gradually drifted from our spouse. You have to work at being the person God wants you to be. This idea of drifting, friends, applies to so many areas of your life. How about your personal standards? Are your personal standards the same today as they were a year ago? Or were there maybe things that, say, a year ago, or maybe when you were in the youth group or sometime in your life, where you just absolutely wouldn't do, but today you do it? 
It could be the types of movies you see. It could be maybe the crowd you hang. It could be the places you go. But what is happening to your personal standards? To your, what what's Bible calls it, holiness. It means to be set apart to God. Because if I'm not careful, things can pull me away. And it doesn't just mean evil things in life. Life can just pull you away. And if you're not careful, your standards will begin to drop. I'll give you a real practical th thing I experienced in my life. Rebecca told me, she said, uh, you know, in your, on our, uh, your satellite network, every once in a while they'll offer like a free channel or something. And, and uh, she found this cartoon station. She said, oh, Daddy, I, I like this cartoon. It's my favorite. And uh, can we get it? And I said, well, sure, you know, so you increase your package. Well, lo and behold, they had thrown in a lot of other channels. Now, I like to watch TV. I like to watch movies. I've got some favorite actors. And on the DVR, you can type in the actor's name. For example, I like Denzel Washington and several that I like, just like you do. Well, I just type in their names, and, I'm, I, and I start looking at these different channels. Well, these channels didn't screen the words like AMC or some of the older channels. And before I know it, I'm hearing my favorite actors beginning to curse. Come on in my bedroom and say things that I won't say, I don't want my kids saying, but before I know it, it's just there because of the Cartoon Network. You know what I did? I called them up when I got back from vacation. I said, cut it off. Go back to the other package because I don't want to drift in my spiritual life. It makes a difference. And I'm telling you, things that you wouldn't have done, things that you wouldn't have listened to, you'll justify for a lot of reasons. Well, I paid for that, so I'm going to listen to it. You're way too quiet now. You're acting like you're guilty this morning. But I'm telling you, if you're living with a destination in mind of hearing Christ say, well done, there better be some things you're not going to do. If you, wanna, if you want your wife to, and you to be together after 50 years, you better not get a girlfriend. Now, now no one may have ever told you that. That may seem obvious. To, you better not get a girlfriend. But usually, which implies... You better not be taking second looks. You say, I don't take second looks. I just take one long look. But, but that's, 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 this, that's the same thing. Am I talking to the right crowd this morning? And you just drift. You just drift. And it hap life happens. But I'm telling you, you need a destination to help you focus so you can get the canoe out on the bank and get in the truck. Otherwise, you'll drift away and you won't end up the place you want to be. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're amening this morning. We're going to illustrate that this morning. We've got a couple. Come on up here, guys. We're going to illustrate this in marriage because people drift from their destination. And let me, I'm going to explain this point. The longer you drift, the farther away you get from your destination. Now, let me say it again. The farther you drift, the longer you, the longer you allow yourself to drift away, the further from your destination you're going to get. Now, look at each other, and we want that, that in love look. I mean, I'm talking about that this is the man for me. This is, you know, the hottest woman in the world. I mean, I, mean, I, I married her. I don't want anybody else. I mean, she is the woman of my... Okay, don't get too carried away. But, all right, anyway. All right, all right, all right. Uh, anyway, so that's where we start. Now, I want you to imagine that that exit sign on the wall is your 50th anniversary. How, how, how long have you been married? Five years. So you're looking at 45 years where you're going to walk together, arm in arm, through life. 
because that's your goal. Not only to just stay together because it's better for taxes or something like that, but you're, 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 you're staying together because you genuinely love and you're fulfilling complete each other. So take some steps towards that journey. See, it's easy the first few weeks or years or days or weeks, but sometimes years come along and, and, and something comes, an opportunity comes up to, where are you going? Keep going, babe. I, I promised the guys, you know, I would, I would, I would play golf, so I'll, I'll, I'll just catch up with you guys later. Amy, what is that lipstick on your collar? It's my mom's. My mom's. You know how mom is. Come on, we're going to start again. It's just, it, 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 we want the love look back. Now, that just appeared to be one day. And if you can imagine, if they're heading that direction, go back and think now to your algebra, 360 degrees. Well, he was like on a 90-degree angle away from her. He was actually 45. But let's imagine he took off down that aisle. Well, you don't, you don't have to be a mathematician to know that if she's going that way towards the destination and he's going that way, they're getting far apart pretty quick. And it usually doesn't happen as quick as it did right here. Usually it happens real slow. I mean, usually, come on, we just start walking towards that 50 years, and, and, and it's the little thing that can just begin to separate us just a little bit. We can just pull apart just a little bit, and it's this part right here that I want to show you about the power of one degree. I'm not talking about heading that way in 90 degrees. I'm talking about one degree of separation. Give them a big hand, and let me explain to you how this works. Now, the longer you drift the farther you get from your destination. I want you to imagine their marriage is starting on State Line Avenue and ending up in California in 50 years. Now, I want you to imagine you're standing on State Line and somehow you have got a laser beam that is directing you exactly in a straight line towards California where you're going to go. But do you realize if you start on State Line, just from State Line to Summerhill, do you know how far you're going to be off if you're off just one degree? One degree. You're 40 yards apart. Now, 40 yards apart, a bit longer than from here to the sanctuary, but you can still holler at each other. You can still wave at each other. Imagine now if you start at State Line and go to Richmond. Now you're about 75 yards apart. Now we're almost the length of a football field. One degree is the only difference. We're just a little bit. I just forget to read the Bible just a little bit. I forget church just a little bit. I forget to pray just, just a little bit. But over time, it has a dramatic effect. By the time you've got to hooks, you're five football fields away from each other. And at five football fields, you really have to strain. You almost have to get your binoculars. By the time you get to Dallas, you're three miles away from each other. All because of one degree of drifting. And if you happen to make it to California, you'll be 24 miles apart. You'll be so far apart, you won't even know each other existed. You will have forgotten what happened because there's the power in one degree. I'm telling you, a little bit of drifting makes a difference. It was easier on day three to pick up my Bible. If I'd have gone five days without reading my Bible, guess what? It had been hard on day six because you lose something. Something dies. It's almost like God is beckoning you to stay on the straight and narrow path, but He's not screaming. It's the Holy Spirit when He convicts us and speaks to us. It's a gentle whisper. It's a voice. Well, if you get so far away from the whisper, you can't hear it any longer. I mean, when you take a vacation, you don't take a vacation from God. 
And I want to tell you, there is power in one degree. So I ask you this question. Is there an area of your life that you are drifting in? Punch your neighbor and say, what are you thinking now? Let's look at another passage. Uh, John 14. Actually, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 13. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. As you're making your way there, let me give you just a little bit of help. Something that will keep you from drifting. Because how many genuinely would say, I want to hear Jesus say, well done to me. Come on. How many would generally say in my marriage, I want to see that 50-year anniversary? You know, I, I want to keep my standards all of my life, you know? It, listen, if you're a virgin, don't just decide to be a virgin for another couple weeks or until the right guy comes along. Be a virgin until you're married. Are, are, are you with me? Amen. That's cool. It may not be cool in the world. You may not see it on MTV, but I'm telling you that's super cool with God, and you keep your standards, come on, until the right time. But, but that's the world that we live in today. Well, let me give you something that will help you. If you will just practice the spiritual disciplines of the basic Christian life. Now hear me. You'll reach your destination spiritually, your marriage, your goals, your dreams in your life. If you will just, and they're worth writing down, they're simple. But if you will just take time each day and read your Bible. Take some time each day to be with God and pray. If you will be involved with other Christians, that's why church is so important, the fellowship of believers, you're going to be a better Christian if you're committed to the local church, if people get to know you, if you're a part of it, you're learning the Word, you're sensing the presence of God in worship, you'll be a better Christian if that's a part of your life, and if you're a better Christian, you'll be a better husband, a better wife. If you will just make a part of your regular life serving the Lord, finding something to do, because Jesus didn't just say, well done, good and faithful pew sitter. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. If you will do these things, if you will give yourself to sharing your faith with people, talking about Christ. I got Linnell's, uh, Linnell's in uh, uh, California now, and her love language is serving. So when she goes, I do my best to make sure her car is looking good when, she, when it gets back. And you know, I mean, I'm, I'm out there, it's 100 degrees, but I'm cleaning the seats and everything. But when I took it to the, you know, to get the oil change and new wipers and, and some other things that it needed, there's four people that's hanging around the, 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 the cart thing there. And before I know it, we're talking about God. We're talking about church. And I'm giving them cards and say, I think you'd really enjoy it. If you would just make that a part of your life and practice. See, sharing your faith. And lastly, if you will, as a Christian, practice Christian stewardship, putting God first in your material world, if you will do these basic primary things, it will help you keep from drifting. Again, time in the Word, time in prayer, fellowship with other Christians. If you will be someone who is serving the Lord, sharing your faith and your financial stewardship, I promise you that if these are a part of your life, you're not going to drift. Come on, give the Lord a big hand today. Now, let me, let me close with this. This last 10 minutes is the most important. How do you make a course correction? Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 13. It's pretty easy. If you kind of envision Bethany and I riding that, that, that river and seeing us in that canoe and we're all the way on the bank, when we see the landing, we know exactly where we need to go. And, buddy, we got the paddle out and we started paddling pretty hard because we didn't want to miss it. Now, that's easy when the destination is clear in mind, just like you need a clear destination in mind, but how do you do it? You know how to turn a canoe, but how do you turn your life? How do you turn your marriage? How do you turn back to your calling and back to your dreams? I want you to think about that. I want to answer it with three simple things. Number one is, you have got to decide where you want to end up. If you're taking notes, I'd write that down. I need to decide where I want to end up. 
I need to decide what I want the heaven experience to be. Do I want Jesus to look at me and say, well done, good and faithful servant, because I've deliberately lived from him, or will I settle for something else? See, I've got to decide. Do I, do I want to be married to Linnell Canastracy Miller for the next till I die? He said, well, of course you do. You're the preacher. A lot of preachers get divorced. I'm not with her because I'm a preacher. I'm with her because I'm trying to be a dedicated Christian. Come on. And I'm trying to do what the Bible says, to love her as Christ loved the church. Now, that's in Ephesians. Ladies, you think you got it hard with the submission thing. I tell you, that loving your wife as Christ loved the church is way hard when you're selfish. Now, I'm not selfish. Yes, I'm very selfish. But that's the destination. Decide where you want to end up. Am I going to have to lie at your funeral? I, I, I did more funerals. I did so many funerals this spring. I, I, seriously, I, 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 forgot, I couldn't remember all the funerals and all the pens. I was in the home of two people who died. They died in their bed. They had a heart attack. And when I got there, the paramedics had them on the floor, and they're doing CPR. Two friends. Two people that are, I'm telling you, you don't know how much longer, how much time you've got. You've got to be living with purpose in mind, and I don't want to have to lie at your funeral. Hey, have you ever been to a funeral? Well, from my perspective, I always try to ask family and friends if they'll talk about the person, about their life, about their, you know, were they a Christian? I'll say it, you know, kind of the right way, but what do you know about their spiritual life? And I'm always troubled when they say, well, when they were 12, they walked down the aisle in the Methodist or the Baptist church. Is that the way that you want to end up? Does somebody have to dig enough in your life? You know, I mean, I mean, I hear the stories about, about fishing and their love for sports and their, their work. And all those things are great. They're a part of life. But there's something more important. One day you're going to stand before God. So my question is, what do you want that day to be? What do you want your destination to be? It is simple, but it is profound. What is my destination? Here's the second one. Honestly assess where you are. Now, verse 5, as we read there, uh, it says to test yourselves. Can you say it again? Test yourselves and give yourself a regular checkup. Test yourself and give yourself a regular checkup. Now, how many go to the doctor every year and get an annual physical? Let me see your hand. Yeah, come on. Listen, I do. You need to. You need to go and check up. There's a little plaque behind this wall. I don't know if you've seen that plaque back there, but it's dedicated to Mike Anderson. Mike Anderson was the one that was responsible for building this stage that you see. Mike had a construction company. Mike was a preacher's son. Mike was on the mission field at 51, I believe, years of age. He was in Haiti, and he had a heart attack, and he died. Now, listen, I'm just telling you the way it is. And when you're in Haiti, there is no help when you're down there. Mike was a weightlifter. I took a, a self-defense class with Mike, and I would pray when I'd go in there that I wouldn't have to be his partner because he'd take me down. He was just this bull of muscle, but he never went to the doctor. He never had his cholesterol checked and he had heart attack. So the, you've got to take an honest assessment of your life. Let me ask you this real honestly. When was the last time you read your Bible? Now, don't feel bad. I'm not trying to beat you up, but I'm trying to be the doctor. When was the last time you read your Bible? When was the last time you prayed for more than a minute or two? I'm telling you, Jesus, that's not, that's not well done material. When I was talking about the TV and the kind of shows we're watching, what were you thinking about yourself? Were you, were you convicted? 
I'm just telling you, take an honest assessment. Because the drift has the power to separate you from your purpose and your destination. See, is your marriage getting, is it, is it getting better? Is it leveled out? Is it going downhill and downhill fast? Are you starting to think about, listen guys, other women? Ladies, are you looking at other men with longing, saying, I wish my husband was like that, and just wanting to be around them more? Is someone giving you attention and you're receiving it? Because I'm just telling you, an honest assessment. Because here's the wonderful news. If you can honestly assess where you are, God can help you where you need to be. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. If I'll be honest enough to know where I'm going, where I am, God has the power to turn my life in the right direction. I don't care if you're here today and you have been convicted and you're waiting to go to jail in the next few days or weeks, God can turn your life around even in jail. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. God, I, I, I don't care if I have passed the boat dock and the paddling like that goose, I don't have the power to get there. God has the power to put a motor on my little canoe. God can get me where I need to be, and He can get you where you need to be. Somebody say praise the Lord this morning. So I'm going to close with this last one because this last point is, 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 is a great one. Revelation chapter 2. Those three things, how to get back on course, decide where you want to end up, honestly assess where you are, and here's the last one. Take the necessary steps to get back on course. Take the necessary steps to get back on course. Listen to what Jesus said in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 2, he was addressing a church. He said, I've got this complaint against you. I mean, no, that's not good when Jesus is complaining. And then, some of your translation says, you've left your first love. The New Living says, you don't love me or each other as you did at first. Now, look at verse 5. This is the verse. Look how far you've fallen. And Jesus said these words, turn back to me and do the works you did at first. Can you say, turn back to me and do the works you did at first? Jesus is not calling for tears. He's not calling for introspection. He's calling for action. See, action is what puts you back. I believe one of the saddest things that happens in a Christian life is when they live by their feelings. And they look and they feel okay and assume they're okay. The Bible tells us, told us that we're to test ourselves, that we're to examine ourselves, that we're to make sure that we're living the way that we're supposed to be, that there's supposed to be evidence in our life. But Jesus simply said this, get back where you need to be. So here's my word to you this morning. If you're here and when I asked about the Bible reading and you hadn't been, don't feel bad. Just pick up a Bible guide on the table or in the lobby on the way out and start reading today. Start reading tonight before you go to bed or better yet, like me, get up in the morning when you're fresh and focused and read a chapter, read two chapters. My, my wife has a, has a Bible app and uh, it, 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 they read. They're reading the Bible and she said, it's pretty cool. I read and they're reading along with me. So I'm reading but I'm listening to it at the same time. Start to read. If you, if you have slipped a little bit in your relationship with your spouse and you're drifting, just reach over and take them by the hand or, 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 or when you get out to the car, put your, hand, uh, your arm around them or whatever you want to say and just start acting in a more loving fashion. Those things that have kept you apart, just take a step and make an action because you are one choice away, friends, from if you are drifting to get back on track. It's the thing about the television we talked about. And you are polluting your spirit and polluting your children with the things of the world. Make a phone call tomorrow and cut some of it off. I didn't say cancel the subscription. I just said wean it back. 
See, take steps, practical steps, because if you do, friends, you're going to wind up at your destination. And how many know that's what it's all about? Drifting has the power to bring you in a ditch, but a course correction has the power to get you back where you need to be with God. Just bow your heads just a minute and just let the Holy Spirit just, just talk to you. I've tried to be very honest and vulnerable with you today. People don't plan to drift. It just happens. You don't drift because you're an evil person. You just drift because of life. There's a current that pulled us to the right side of the river. But because we had destination in mind, we made a correction. I wonder what the Holy Spirit's saying to you now. I wonder what course correction the Holy Spirit is requiring of you. See, he wants to look at you face to face and say, well done. We all want to see your picture in the paper at 50 years celebrating the golden. We want to rejoice with you as you reach all your dreams, as you fulfill the calling of God that's on your life. Reach your destination. The Bible tells us not to be hearers of the word, but doers. I wonder what the Spirit of God is saying to you now. Would you simply say yes? Come on, slip your hands to heaven if you are. Simply just say, yes, Lord. Yes. Well, for those that don't have that clear destination, would you please make it crystal clear? Let them spend some deliberate time about their spiritual life, their future, their call, their dreams. Let us take an honest look inside about our standards. We just want to say yes with uplifted hands to you. I want you to pray right now and ask God to give you the power to change. Come on, pray that. See, it's easy, semi-easy to talk about it, but the change is hard. It's welcome. I can guarantee I'm not going to record as many movies because I left some of my mind. But guess what? My flesh may, may want that, but there's something else more important. Would you just ask God to give you the spiritual strength to be the person that he wants you to be? Come on, just invite him afresh in your life. Invite him afresh in your marriage right now. If your spouse is with you, nobody's looking around, just take them by the hand. Put your arm around them. If you've got a great marriage, keep it great. If you've got a good marriage, just resolve today that you're going to make it great. If it's not headed in the right direction, resolve today you're making some changes. We welcome you today, Lord. Welcome, welcome. Welcome in our homes. Welcome in our entertainment. Come on, only you can pray this now. Welcome on my job. If you've been lying or stealing at work, that's a drift, friend. But you can make a decision today. I'm not going to lie anymore. I'm not going to fudge on the paperwork. I'm not going to cheat. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to get back in a place of integrity. My character matters. We just welcome you today, Lord. Now I want you to just pray that God would seal this word in your heart. The Bible tells us that Satan would try to come and steal it away. Could you just pray and say, Lord... Let me hang on to this. Let me hang on to it. And this is our prayer in, in Jesus' name. Come on, give the Lord one good hand. Praise the Lord. Listen, if you want to kind of refresh yourself on this in a couple days, it'll be on our Internet. It'll be on, we've got an iPhone app. You can listen to it. You can read the notes. You can download them. You can do any of that. But here's how we're going to close in prayer. And in fact, you could just give me just a couple more minutes before we dismiss. I want you to kind of eyeball to eyeball just a couple minutes. We're going to have a time of prayer in just a second. Here's something I know about prayer. 
Everybody needs prayer. But I was studying Friday afternoon and having a real hard time with my message, and somebody walked in and said, how you doing? Well, I didn't put on the happy face and said, oh, I'm great. I said, man, I'm not doing good. I'm just having a little struggle here getting this finished. And he said, can I pray for you? I said, absolutely. All of us need to open our hearts. See, we're talking about the altar of God, place to come and have an encounter with. Everybody needs prayer. You don't have to be a member here. If you've got a need in your life, uh, maybe something in the message sparks something in you. I want you to come for prayer. Let us pray with you just a minute. Maybe in the message something was touched on that you have just accepted in your life. Remember I asked you the question about your standards. What were they a few years ago? And, and are you doing the thing that you said you'd never do? Maybe your first step towards getting over that thing is coming and humbling yourself and in confidence telling another person, I need you to pray for me about this. I need God to help me. I can't get this thing done on my own. How many know we get some stuff and it just gets locked in our mind and it, it, just, it just hangs on to us? Listen, God can help you. I want to give you some hope today. And maybe your first step is taking the hand of a man or woman of faith and believing God for God to help you be the person that He wants you to be. Or it may be this, and this is probably the biggest thing of the day. Maybe when I talked about heaven and about the little T-shirt, about your funeral, and, you know, we laughed about it a little bit, but I want to tell you, friends, one day you're going to end up there. And you may not even know if, you know, you'll go to heaven or hell. You may not understand that you need to receive Christ as your Savior. You may not understand the forgiveness of sins. I want to tell you, it's real. And someone can pray with you about your spiritual life and help you start a relationship with Christ. I don't know what it is, but God is here. I want to encourage you to take advantage of that. Our prayer team, I want you to go ahead and just stand to your feet, everybody. Let's all stand to our feet, and Jack's going to sing a song. And uh, as our prayer team just comes to the front for prayer, I want to invite you just to come with them and let somebody just pray with you just a minute before we go. You come and let us pray with you this morning. I want the rest of us just to begin to sing. We'll sing at a time or two and dismiss. But you come and let us pray for you. God bless you this morning.